Y'all stand and we'll start with a word of prayer. Brother Steve, would you open us for Amen. Amen. Let's all take your hymn. We'll turn on hymn number 292.
kind of. Well, amen. You can take your Bibles, turn to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, and we're actually in chapter 39 and chapter 52. So chapter 39 and 52 kind of go together, so uh, that's the reason for them to be like that. Do want to mention that tomorrow night uh, the Morfords are moving, and so if you can come help, uh, that'd be a great blessing. Uh, we hope uh, that it goes quick, and uh, we'll be trying to assemble there around uh, five. I know he's going to have a truck a lot longer than that, and so if you want to go over about noon, you can do that. But Probably if most of us get there around 5, it won't take us a couple hours. We'll get them all loaded. Uh, ladies, feel free to come. There'll be cleaning, you know, to be done. And so if you want to be a part of that, uh, that'd be great. and be a big help to them and a blessing to them. And uh, so that would uh, really be a good thing. All right, Jeremiah chapter 39. I've uh, entitled this, Jerusalem's Destruction Described. Okay, Jerusalem's destruction uh, described. And um, we're going to begin by reading here in chapter 39, verses 15 through 18. Okay, a little out of place tonight, a little awkward, but uh, it gives us where we want to start. Verse 15, chapter 39. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying... Go and speak to Ebedmelech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil, not for good, and they shall be accomplished in the day before thee. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord, and thou shalt not be given into the hand of men of whom thou art afraid. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for prey unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for the time that is ours to come together here in your house and worship you. We pray that you would help us as we uh, kind of continue our look at... Uh, the Babylon, uh, Babylonian Empire coming and overthrowing uh, Jerusalem and all that happens there. I just pray that uh, you'd help us be mindful of all that's uh, involved. I pray to God that we might personally be able to learn tonight uh, from your word, that there would be something that we could take away for our own lives, that we might better serve you and live for you. And I uh, just want to thank you for our time together this evening. We love you and we'd ask all these things in your precious and most holy name, amen. I was thinking while the ladies were singing uh, the, the course there, Learning to Lean. And uh, isn't it amazing that when we get saved, we don't automatically know how to lean. It uh, takes a life, uh, living a life of walking close to God and uh, just trusting Him with the small things. And those small things become big things and uh, just learning to lean on him uh, as we live our life. And so it, it would be great if we could get saved and all of a sudden we'd get everything at once, uh, but then that would be very distracting because we wouldn't learn our own personal lessons. And so it's so important that we do that. 
And I think that's why uh, learning leading is so important. I thank the ladies for singing that tonight. What a blessing. And so here we are in uh, Jeremiah again, chapter 39. You'll remember with me uh, for the last several chapters now that God's been dealing with Jerusalem and Israel. He's been telling them, look, the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to overrun it. This is of me. Uh, the best thing you can do is surrender, and uh, they'll take you as captives. They'll move you to their land. You'll be there about 70 years, and then I'll bring you back, and I'll prosper you. I'll give you more than you had before. I'll bless you. And yet there's those uh, of the uh, faith of the Jerusalem uh, Jews that says, no, we don't want that. We're going to defend. We're going to stand and Jeremiah keeps telling them, look, that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you would surrender, that you would go into bondage, you would learn your lesson, you'd come back. And so we see this, this battle here over the last uh, three or four chapters. And so Jeremiah is going to describe for us tonight, here in chapter 39, verse number 52, uh, Jerusalem's destruction by the Babylonian armies and events that take place preceding, during, and following this devastation. Again, because we're dealing with two chapters, I'm going to give you verses, and hopefully you can look those up through the week and be able to study them and uh, be able to then put it all together and understand it. Otherwise, we'd be here a very long time uh, tonight or a very long time over several weeks trying to accomplish this one thing. So I'll give you the verses, and you can do a little study at home. Our first point is this, the events preceding, the events preceding. And uh, that's chapter 39, verses 15 through 18 that we read tonight. And then also chapter 52, 1 through 7. And so 52 is a correlation to 39, verses 15 and 18 correlate uh, with verses 1 through 7. And uh, this is going to be concerning the events preceding the fall of Jerusalem, the fall that's going to take place. And uh, so... Uh, the first thing we see is Jeremiah's reassurance. Uh, we read about that in verses 15 through 18, that uh, Ebed-Melech uh, will be protected in the hour of Jerusalem's agony because of his faithfulness, that uh, Zedekiah's rebellion is going to take place uh, in chapter 52, uh, 1 through 3, and uh, he's going to instigate a revolt against the Babylonian king, you remember Zedekiah is the king of Jerusalem, and uh, he's going to instigate this rebellion, and it's going to cost him dearly. Uh, the third thing we see is that Nebuchadnezzar's retaliation in chapter 52, 4 through 7, Nebuchadnezzar is going to lay siege to Jerusalem uh, for two years, and it's going to result in a severe famine within the city. And so they wouldn't have to be going through all this if they just followed the plan that God had laid out for them. But because of the rebellion, they're going to end up suffering for two years with this severe famine uh, within the city as a result of their non-reliance upon what God told them to do. So it brings us to our second point, which considers the events during the actual uh, besiegement to the actual time of the fall of Jerusalem. And uh, it's uh, chapter 39, 1 through 8, and you can read about uh, all that happens and uh, all that's going to come to pass. Uh, in verse number 4, 
of chapter 39 it says, And it came to pass that when Zedekiah the king of Judah saw them and all the men of war, then they fled and went forth out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden, by the gate betwixt the two walls. And he went out the way of the plain. So all of a sudden he gets concerned. He goes on the run. But verse number 5 says, The Chaldeans' army pursued after them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his eyes. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. And moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and break down the walls of Jerusalem. So it all happens there in chapter 39, 1 through 8. Corresponding with that is Jeremiah chapter 52, uh, verse number 8 through verse number 14, and talks about this uh, horrific event that's going to happen, that Zedekiah is going to go on the run, he's going to be captured. By the way, it's already been prophesied that he's going to see his sons killed, and then his eyes are going to be taken from him. Can you imagine the last thing that he saw was the death of his own sons? That'd be a horrible, tragic event to replay over and over and over in your mind that watching your sons being put to death and then your own eyes being taken. And so the walls were breached in uh, 39, 1 through 3. Uh, walls of the Babylonians, the walls and the Babylonians marched in and set in triumph in the middle gate. And the king was blinded in chapter 39, 4 through 7. Uh, you also find that in chapter 52, 8 through 11. Zedekiah is captured at Jericho, bound in chains, sent away uh, to exile in Babylon. And uh, the temple and the city are burned in chapter 39, verse number 8, and chapter 52, 12 through 14. And the walls are torn down. In chapter uh, 52, we read, now in the fifth month of the tenth day of the month, which was in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuchadnezzar, a captain of the guard, which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men, burned he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down all the walls of Jerusalem round about. And so God's judgment comes to pass. Uh, although man had his own idea and they thought that they could stand against what God had passed as judgment upon them, they find out that God eventually has the upper hand, that God will have his way. Judgment will come upon the nation of Israel and uh, they would have been better to submit to it than to fight against it. Now we look at the events following. So we saw the events preceding, we saw the events during and now we'll see the events following uh, this besiegement uh, by the nation of Babylon. In chapter 39, 9 through 14, and chapter 52, 15 through 34. And so 39, verse number 9, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city, and those that fell away that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. But... 
uh, Nebuzandan, the captain of the guard, left of the poor of the people, which had nothing in the land of Judah, and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge unto Jeremiah uh, to Nebuzandan, the king of the guard, saying, Take him and look well to him and do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. Can you imagine this? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, looks to Jeremiah and he says to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, says, look, I want you to take care of Jeremiah and I want you to do to him whatever he says. So if he wants water, bring him water. If he wants food, bring him food. I just want his needs met and it's your job to see that those needs are met. And so here's the prophet of God. He's been proclaiming, he's been suffering if you would, persecution and rejection by the people there, by the king. And uh, they, uh, he has been suffering all this persecution. Now at the end, the conquering king says, I want Jeremiah taken care of. And so verse number 14 of chapter 39 says, Even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him into uh, Jedali, the son of Hikam, the son of Shaphan, that he should carry him home. So he dwelt among the people. And so God took care of his uh, prophet, the man who came and pronounced the judgments uh, that were going to be uh, enacted. And uh, at the very end, uh, some people said, well, uh, Jeremiah, you're foolish because you're going to be in the midst of all that. How, God's, how is God going to take care of you? But we find that God did take care of him, and he blessed him in a great way. And so there's a few things here, about five to be exact, that we see. First of all, we see, <clears throat> excuse me, we see Judah's officials are executed. And so chapter 52, 24 through 27, I read about it there also uh, in chapter 39, when we were talking about the king Zedekiah right before his eyes were put out and his sons were murdered. The officials of Judah were also murdered. Uh, the second thing we find is that Judah's people are enslaved. Uh, chapter 39, 9 through 10. Chapter 52, 15 through 16. And 28 through 30. And so Judah's people are enslaved just the way God said it would happen. And the third thing we see is Judah's wealth is exported. Uh, anything of any wealth was taken back to Babylon. Uh, that's chapter 52, 17 through 23. You'll see that the temple, the temple fixtures are dismantled and sent to Babylon. Anything of wealth is taken away from uh, Judah at this time, sent back to Babylon. The fourth thing we see is Judah's prophet is encouraged. Verse uh, chapter 39, 11 through 14. And at Zebuchadnezzar's order, Jeremiah is treated very kindly. And so uh, the prophet is encouraged, he's taken care of. Uh, Jeremiah is left with someone over him that's to watch out for him and provide for him at the order of Nebuchadnezzar. And then the fifth thing we see is Judah's former king, Jehoiachim, is elevated uh, in chapter 52, 31 through 34. Previously imprisoned in Babylon, he is released and given a seat of honor at the new, uh, by the new Babylonian ruler. So Nebuchadnezzar says, Jehoiachim, I want you to come. I want to elevate you. Uh, it's really kind of sad because Zedekiah 
had his eyes put out, and you wonder if he would have obeyed God if he had had to gone through that kind of judgment. But Jehoiachin, who had been sitting in prison, is now brought out and uh, given a seat of honor and uh, is there at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar to rule with him. And so a uh, lot to study there, a lot to read. Uh, I gave you the thumbnail of it. Hopefully it'll be something that will be enjoyable and something uh, that you can grow thereby. Lord, we love you tonight and thank you so much for the truth of your word. It's our prayer and our desire that you would take these things that we studied here tonight, that we might study them more in depth and uh, learn in a greater way how that uh, these things can even apply in our lives, that we might remain faithful to you and serve you, that you're always there to take care of uh, those who put you first and elevate you in their life. And I pray that we would be those type of individuals that would seek to lift you up and to honor and glorify you. Thank you for our time together here tonight. We pray that you would take this invitation, use it for your glory. We love you and we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll have a moment of invitation. God spoke to your heart tonight. I'd encourage you to come. Uh, and we'll just uh, have a silent time here. If God's spoken to your heart, you want to come and pray, or you want to pray right there, I'd encourage you to do so.